There's not much to say after that. Um, Other than this, for the next five weeks, we need to band together, y'all. And we need to call Brad Bart, okay, for five weeks. Just drive him nuts. Every time you see him, it's Bart. Um, Welcome. We, we, We don't just say that like, like the welcome isn't just, oh, welcome, because we have to say it. Like, we are really glad that you're here. And, and I personally believe, I mean, we say we've been waiting for the 707 all day. No, we've been waiting for the 707 all day because we knew God was bringing you to sit here. And I believe, I believe with everything I got that God's got something for you. And, and I'm excited because we're talking about elephants. Um, taking from the cliche, right, that there's an elephant in the room. And the thought behind it is this, that the church has got a, a reputation for not talking about the things that we really need to talk about. That, that honest conversation doesn't belong in here. That, that when you come in here, we got to have church faces. We got we to gotta look, look right, act right, say the right cliche phrases, because if we do that, then we'll all kind of hold each other up and and we just want to shatter that with the elephant series. And what we want to do with the elephant series is go, you know what? There's a whole bunch of elephants that exist, and we want to talk, take five to six weeks, depending on how we go and where we go and where God leads, and, and we just want to talk about some. And, and tonight, we're specifically going to talk about doubt. And, and what I'm hoping is that as we go through this series on, that we're calling elephants, that, that we'll become a community where honest conversation is welcomed. That, that we'll continue to, to take strides forward, that conversations that matter will take place. That, that it won't just be we show up, we do our thing, we leave, but, but to where we can really, really dialogue together. And so, so tonight we're entering into doubts, and, and God kind of, I don't know, God teed me up for this last night. Um, I, I had this moment happen in my life. That is my baby going to her senior prom. And I know God is good because you only have to look at her to know God is good. She is gorgeous. She is just as pretty on the inside. She is an amazing kid. She is talented. She is smart. She is beautiful. She's athletic, right? And I'm going, God, I can see your goodness all over her. But wait a minute. If this is prom, graduation's coming. That's not okay, God. Like, where's the goodness in that? Because I know after that, she's leaving. She's going to, to school. That, there ain't no goodness in that. Like, like, God, I'm beginning to wonder. And then she showed up with this thing called her boyfriend. Um, and I definitely questioned the goodness of God. Um, nothing against him, but there ain't nobody on the planet that's going to be right for my baby. Right? It's just the way it is. Like, like just isn't. Unless Jesus himself shows up. That's, that's about it. But I, but I joke, I joke, but, but there are these moments. It was weird. It was weird, right? And, and, and a lot of you, you did this to your parents. You can just accept this, but um, I'm standing there as a parent, and, and, and they're totally in it. Like, we got to get this person in it, and we got to stand on the steps. We got to make sure we look right and, and all this stuff, right? I'm standing there as a parent going, oh, my gosh, can't believe this moment's here. This is a precursor to wedding. Like, and and it's... Is this one I'm staring down? Like, it could be this guy? Like, nothing against him, but, but like, is that, is this, like, this is happening soon? What's going on? I'm, I'm in turmoil, right? Because I'm like, I'm like, oh, man, she's, she's going to leave the house, make more decisions. Like, like, I'm in, like, this whole, and then I'm standing there going, oh, in 20 years, you're going to regret that picture, right? Um, and here's the thing, right? 
this, this whole area of doubts, I just want to start really, really clear. Everybody's got them. Can, can we just like open, open that and just say that there's an elephant in the room and we all, if you're, if you're going to walk out this life of faith, you're going to have doubts. It's a part of the journey. You're going to have questions that come up. It's a part of the journey. And, and, and just, just owning it going, we're just going to kind of open that, that up and go, okay, we need to be a place then that can have a conversation about those doubts. And, and a little step further, you need to know you're in great company with those doubts. Like there's a guy in the Bible named Thomas, right? And Jesus is rose from the dead and, and he's, Thomas is in a room. He's locked down. He, he's scared. And Thomas is going, unless I see, unless I see the marks in his hands, I'm not going to believe. Now Thomas had walked with Jesus. Like, and he's standing there going, I'm not going to believe unless, unless this happens. And, and John the Baptist, right? The forerunner for Jesus, the, the mouth in the wilderness, the one who's, who's declaring, he, like he's got this special birth and like this, this massive miracle of who he was and, and the man that he was of God. And, and then he's in prison and he's sending word to Jesus going, man, are you really the one? And this is after he's already declared publicly, you are the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's now in prison going to lose his head and he's going, are you really the one? And if that's not enough for you, let's go old school, okay? Let's go, let's go Old Testament. Mo, right? Moses, you guys remember Moses? He goes up on the mountain, comes down with the, the Ten Commandments, which, by the way, the Ten Commandments get a bad rap. What they actually are is the best way to be human. God is going, the best way to be human, don't kill each other. That would help, right? Don't steal. Don't take your neighbor's wife. That's not cool. Like, like it's the best way to be human. And he comes down with down with the, the, the stone tablets. But before you get to that point, he's got two chapters that he's wrestling with God going, I, I, I'm not the guy. I don't, don't speak well, right? He's going, I'm not the guy. You, I'm not it. You got to pick somebody else. And God's going, no, you're it. And he's like, I'm not it. And he's going, you're it, right? Two chapters in the Bible designated to someone wrestling and if that's not enough, we're going to dive into 1 Kings chapter 19. 1 Kings chapter 19, we're going to look at another hero. Maybe the greatest prophet that ever lived. But we're going to look at another hero. And if you don't have a Bible, Bible app's the way to go. super easy. And it's like four clicks to find it. If you have a physical Bible and you don't know where it is, it's like the first, the first quarter. Kind of open up to the first quarter and then flip the pages. Kings is a long book. You'll find it. Um, but in 1 Kings, in 1 Kings chapter 19, um, it begins this way. Now Ahab told Jezebel. Okay, we got some, we got some background to fill in. Okay, we're going to catch up. We're going to give you the quick version. Ahab is king of the northern tribes. Ahab marries a woman named Jezebel. Jezebel is King Sidon's daughter. Okay, Sidon, she comes from there. What she brings with her is the worship of Baal. It's the worship of other gods, Right? And there's a whole study you can do on that, the religion of that. But, but they get married, and what happens is he allows her to bring the worship of Baal into Israel where it's the one true God that's supposed to be worshipped. So, so now she sets up camp there, and he goes a step further because he actually makes a temple 
so that they can worship in it to Baal and consecrates a whole bunch of priests. And so now there's a priesthood that's designated to Baal. So, so what's happened is they get married. Baal worship's taken place. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah, there's our main man, he's the guy we're going to camp on, everything Elijah had done. Okay, so Elijah, backstory on Elijah is this. He's a prophet, which means that he speaks on behalf of God. That's, that's his role, that's his job, and specifically he's supposed to go to Ahab, which Ahab, the Bible actually records him as, um, that he'd done more evil in the eyes of the Lord than any of the other kings, right? So, so Ahab's not a good guy. Elijah's job is to go to Ahab and go, hey, you're going this way, you need to repent and go that way. Like, like you need to turn this ship around. Um, and so, so what he does is he goes to Ahab and he goes, um, there's a faucet that controls the rain, and God told me to turn it off. So Ahab, there ain't going to be any rain for, for until I say. Like, like, okay, okay, there's some cool stuff you can do in your life. Turning off the rain, that's, that's pretty high on the list, right? And he shows up, and he goes, okay, it's not going to rain. It doesn't rain. If that's not enough, he leaves there. He goes down by a brook, by a stream, and God provides room service for him at the stream fed by ravens. So ravens show up, and they give him food, and it's there every day. He just wakes up, and it's there. God's taking care of him. Okay, so you turn off the rain. That's, that's something. Now you're getting room service. You didn't know you were getting room service, huh? Just wait till tomorrow morning. Just wait. Somebody's going to have a raven pecking at him, dropping food off. Okay, right? But... But he has the rain, he has the raven, and then he goes back. And when he goes back, he now notices all the worship that's going on, and he he has a good old-fashioned Western showdown, right? This is straight out of Prescott is what's going on, right? We're going to have a showdown. He goes out and he goes, okay, assemble, assemble your best prophets. The, the, the ones that, that Jezebel has put together, you, you get your best. But here's the problem. There was only one on the other side. There's 450 of hers. And there's Elijah on the other side. Why? Because Jezebel had been killing all the prophets of God. And, and so now you got 450 on one side, you got Elijah on the other side, and, and this is how it went down. They go, okay, we're going to build an altar, and we're going to call on our gods, and the God that answers by fire, they win. And this is, you got to catch this. This is how confident Elijah is in his God. He looks at the prophets, he goes, you guys go first. Okay, you don't let them go first unless you're really confident what? Their gods are not real. Their gods are not going to show up. So he goes, no, 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 you go first. So the sort of 450, they start doing their thing. They start calling it down. Nothing happens. So they start cutting themselves. Nothing happens. In fact, Elijah's confidence gets so high, he begins to taunt them. And he begins to go, hey, hey, maybe, maybe, just maybe, your God's in the bathroom. Straight up, you can't make this stuff up. It's in the boat. You got to read it, right? Right? Nothing. Elijah, he prays to his God. Fire comes from heaven, consumes the altar, consumes all of the water, licks it up, the Bible says. Now, that's pretty impressive to be a part of. Man, you, you made the rain stop like a faucet. You've been fed by birds. You showed up and you took down like like God called down fire at your command. And then he takes the 450 and puts them to death by the sword. That's quite the victory. And as if that's not enough, as if that's not enough, Elijah goes back and he goes, hey, 
I hear the sound of rain. I'm going to turn the faucet back on. And it rains. And as if that's not enough, the spirit comes on Elijah. He takes his robe, tucks it in his belt, and outruns a king's chariot. That's like spirit speed. You know what I'm saying? Like you outran a chariot. That's like Superman status. Okay, that's the context. When it says here that Jezebel, Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he killed all the prophets. Like that, that's a pretty good, pretty good day, don't you think? That's a pretty good season of life. Like you've seen God show up in amazing ways. Notice what it says next. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow, 24 hours from now, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Okay, there's a little Bible humor here, okay? What happened last time Jezebel claimed her gods were going to do something? Nothing. Nothing, right? Like, if you're Elijah, you're going, uh, did you miss my tweet? (laughs) Right, did you miss my selfie with the flames in the background like God wins, you know what I'm saying? Like, did you miss what happened yesterday when my God showed up and yours didn't and then I outran you? Do you remember that? Like, like she's going, no, 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 in 24 hours, I swear by those gods who didn't do anything, I swear by them. Next verse. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. Wait, what? He's scared of a woman? Might be wisdom in that. Just saying. Could be some wisdom there. Man, you'd be smart not to amen right now. A woman who had a past of killing prophets And he takes off and he runs. Something about doubt. Doubt enters when the outcome's not what you wanted. Doubt enters when the outcome isn't what you wanted. Hey, 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 here's what I mean. I prayed. I heard God tell me this relationship, man. I heard heard God say it was her. And I entered this relationship, and all of a sudden, it got crazy, and I ran in fear. And now I'm sitting over here. I'm heartbroken. I've gone places. I, sh- I like, I like, I'm devastated, and uh, the questions are coming at me. Like, God, did I not hear you? Did you not speak? Did I do something wrong? It was like, you see how it works? The outcome wasn't what I planned it would be, and in the midst of that now, I have questions about God. Or you go into the office, or you've had a loved one go into an office, and when you got in there, what they told you back wasn't what you expected. When you got in there, the diagnosis and the things they were saying weren't even computing because you were like, no, 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 no. I prayed about this. This is not the way it goes down. And you're sitting there now, and this is the way it's going down. And now you, now you are leaving there going, but God, I thought you were good. I thought it was going to be this way. Or a loved one passes away and you're going, but God told me it wasn't going to end in this and it ended in that. So, so all these questions flow. Or, or maybe it's like you're at a point of life where you're going, man, 
I, God told me to go this way. I went this way. I'm in his will, right? And then and, and I got in there and all of a sudden the outcome wasn't what I wanted. And I'm going, this doesn't add up. And all of a sudden the questions about God start to flow. Because the outcome wasn't what I planned it to be. And the doubt and the questions and the worry and the fears all came flooding in. I gotta tell you, this sermon is born in my soul. This sermon is not born in a vacuum. The sermon is not one that I started writing going, this is cool. That's a good word. The sermon is born over the last two plus years of watching my wife every single day go, I don't know what's wrong with me. And her trying to explain, and we joke, right, that men don't understand women. I don't understand my wife. Her body is doing things that doctors don't understand. There are moments that are miserable for her where she doesn't understand what's, what's transpiring in her own being. And so what are we doing? We get down and we're praying, man. I'm the guy that stands on stage and tells you if God shows up, he'll what? Show off. I'm the guy that stands here and goes, man, miracles happen. God is the God of miracles. He is the God that shows up. I'm the guy that stands here and tells you that God can do anything. And I'm also the guy that stands in my own home and goes, baby, I don't know what is happening. I don't have answers for you. We're praying for a miracle. We're not seeing it. And see, the tendency is that we don't actually wrestle with the questions and the doubt. The tendency is that I start to tell you, oh, but a prayer life is so much better. Oh, and I've seen her faith be strengthened. All true. But if I'm not careful, I take those things and I make them become a crutch for my faith. Instead of just standing in the raw honesty and going, I don't know why it's happening. I don't know why it's happening. I don't know why God has the power. And I believe, I believe God can do anything. I believe my wife could be healed right now. It's not a lack of belief because that's what some people come tell me, right? You just don't believe enough. <laughs> come tell me that. What I'm learning is that I'm supposed to sit in this moment and I'm supposed to be okay going, I don't, I don't get it. And I think Elijah, Elijah has a lot to say about this. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left the servant there. Next verse. While he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. Something about your doubt, that often doubt comes because the outcome isn't what you want, but then also something else about doubt, it will always push you to isolate. Doubt will always push you to isolate. And in this case, you got Elijah who's calling, his, his God-given calling is in the north and he's running south. And he's running so far south that he goes to his servant, hey, you stay here, I'm going on by myself. And, and what happens with doubt is doubt will allow you to start pulling away because you know what you start to believe when you start to have questions? I'm the only one. That is the elephant in the room. You are not the only one. You're not the only one. The very prophet of God, one of the men of faith that this, this whole thing is like anchored in and on and, and God used mightily. He, he's isolating because he has fears. He's isolating because he has questions. He's isolating. 
And in the midst of that, he came to a broom bush. Now, I read this this week, and I'm like, broom bush. Why would God be so specific? Right? Why not just say he came, he came to a tree and sat down underneath it? Why the broom bush? And I don't know if you're smarter than me and you know exactly what that is, but I didn't know what it was, so I went on a rabbit trail. You know how those work? Four hours later, I had an amazing picture. One of the most beautiful pictures I've seen in Scripture for a while. You see, the broom bush, they don't know if it's a tree or a bush, right? Because in some cases, they translate a tree. In some cases, they translate a bush. Here's the best that I have, a, bunch, a whole bunch of shoots, right? They go up, and it kind of branches out like this. And they, the max they say it grows is about 13 feet. We're going to guess that this one's like 10 to 12 because he sits under it, right? So this broom bush goes up, and when it's in bloom, it's full of white, all over, thousands of white little flowers all over it in the middle of the desert. And so it's this beautiful picture, and, and there's all these thousands of, of white, and they smell like honey. And I don't know if it was in bloom when Elijah got to it. I'd like to think it was. I'd like to think that God was just covering the entire thing with beauty. And here's where it gets even better, right? Because the actual broom bush is used for kindling. It's used for fire. And I know that doesn't mean much. They cook with it and that stuff. But here's what I want you to get. The way it burns is it burns from the outside, but it's, it burns for a long time. So when it burns from the outside, the outside looks like it's dead. But on the inside, there's a smoldering ember. And what they used to do is they would take two to four inches out of the ground, and they would put the coals down and then cover it back up with the sand or the dirt. And then they would lay on it at night, and it would keep them warm in the desert. And here's what I want you to get. That picture that it's dead on the outside, but inside there's an ember waiting to be fanned into flame. Elijah is dead on the outside, but inside the man of God, there's an ember burning. And and for you, I don't know what your season is like. I don't know where you're at, but I want to encourage you that even though you may look dead on the outside as far as your faith goes, there's an ember inside of you that God wants to fan into flame. And if you'll let him and walk with him and, and with Elijah, man, it's honesty. Look at it, sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord. He said, take my life. I am no better than my answers. Like this guy's got burnout going on majorly. And who can blame him? He just killed 450 prophets with the sword. Like that, I, I'd have a little burnout at that point. And he comes in and he's just honest. Like, like best thing you can do with your doubts, be honest. Be honest. Like, like, I'm not talking about being belligerent before God. I'm not talking about, talk, about being um, like you, you got it all. I'm talking about being naked and vulnerable and just honest before God. That, that you take your doubts and you go, God, I'm dead on the outside. But I'm trusting you'll light that ember. And he's like, man, I just want to die. Next verse. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. Next verse. He looked around and there by his head were some bread baked over hot coals. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff on this from scholars going, okay, he's at a broom bush and it's hot coals. Like, like there's some magic to the whole thing in the picture. You got to read it, okay? In a jar of water, he ate, drank, and then lay down again. 
Okay, hang on, hang on. God showed up. Where is he? He's running. And where does God show up? Right where he is. See how that works? God's not waiting for him to get back to where he was and he goes, oh, now I'll show up and be there for you. He shows up right where Elijah's going, man, he's leaning against the bush or under it or whatever, and he's going, I just want to die. That's where God shows up. I don't believe that God is waiting for you to fan your own flame and then going, now I'll show up. Now you're a burning ember. Now I can use you. I believe that God wants to show up and, and have you go, God, I am dead. And here's the beauty. I don't think God will just show up once for you. I believe he's been chasing you for all of eternity. And he isn't going to stop. How do I know? Next verse. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him. He came back a second time. As if once was enough, comes back a second time. Get up and eat. For the journey is too much for you. Who knows what the journey is? God. God's telling him, hey, this journey, you can't bear it. But God isn't asking him to get to the destination right here. God's asking him, hey, I'm going to provide for you so that you have the strength to get up and take one more step. You see, for you, you may come in here and you're like, man, I don't get this God thing. I'm only here because she's cute. Let's call it what it is. Talking about elephants, right? There's one right there. I'm just here because there are people here and where I'm at is weird. And I don't like those people, so I'm going to come with these people. I don't know why you're here. I mean, Brad seems like an angel. Maybe that's it. Bart, thank you. Bart, 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 Bart. Sounds like seals. Um, Okay, bring it back. Oh, I don't know how you came in here, but I do know this. That if you're here and you're like, man, I don't know this God. I'm on the fence with this God. This sounds like hocus pocus to me. Do you know that God doesn't need you to believe in him today? He just needs you to show up and sit in a chair. That's it. Like if you're here and maybe you know God and you're, you're like in that phase of, man, everything I was given as a kid, I don't get anymore. Like, I don't know how you're here. I don't know the state of your heart. I don't know how alive or how dead or where that ember's at. But I do know this, that God just needs you to sit here today. That's your one step in the journey. He knows the journey that's ahead for you. Just like he did Elijah. And so what does he do for Elijah? He provides for the next step. That's it. He provides for the next step. And I believe that God will provide what you need in the midst of your doubt to just, just to take the next step. That's all you got to take. Next verse. So he got up and he ate and drank, strengthened by that food. He traveled 40 days and 40 nights. You want to talk about protein shake? Right there, right? He traveled 40 days, 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. Next verse. There he went into a cave and spent the night. There he went into the cave. Remember how we talked about when doubt shows up, it begins to isolate. You remember that? Where's he isolated to? A cave. A dark cave cave. He's backed into a corner. Darkness is around him. No one can see him. He's isolated. He's alone. What does doubt want to do? It wants to pull you away. But here's what I know, right? When the questions start to flow, if you don't take those questions to God, 
the enemy will gladly answer those for you. If you do not let God frame up your answers and what it looks like, I know that there's an enemy that's real, that is the father of lies, and what he will build for you is a cave where you are isolated, dark, and alone, and you think this is reality. You think this is what it is, but the truth of the matter is, all the way along, God's been going, let me frame it up for you. Let me frame it up for you. And you either listen to God or you'll listen to the enemy. And the enemy will always lead you into the dark and will always isolate you and will always make you believe this is all there is and you are alone. He is the father of lies. And I believe with everything I've got that this is our God right here. And the word of the Lord came to him. Where did it come to him? He's in his darkest spot. He's in the cave. Where does God come? to him in the cave. He's as far south as he can get. He's as far south as he can get. And what does God do? Does he show up and beat him up? No, he shows up and goes, what are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? Next verse. He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. What he's saying right here is he's saying the outcome wasn't what I wanted it to be. And now I'm stuck with this. Next verse. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain. Now, this ain't just any mountain, okay? A little Bible, Bible catch up here. This is the mountain where God showed up for Israel and he showed up in thunder and lightning and he shook the mountain and covered it with smoke and his voice bellowed. This is the mountain where God showed up with Moses. This is the mountain where God himself had come and passed before Moses. And what you got to get is what Elijah has done is he's gone back to what? Back to where God showed up the way he wanted him to. What does Elijah want? He wants God to go in power. He wants God to go and take over. And what he gets, what he gets is this. The Lord is about to pass by, stand in a mountain in the presence of the Lord. He, he gets this. Elijah, you turn, you're in a cave. All I need you to do is just come out and just, 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 you can have your heels in if you like, but just stand out in the presence of the Lord. Just stand out in the presence of the Lord. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. You think our worship services are something because you got like little goosebumps? Shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. Next verse. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. After the fire came a gentle whisper. Next verse. When Elijah, what? Heard it. When Elijah heard what? The whisper of God. When Elijah heard the whisper of God. Like, okay, been wondering why a whisper. We see Elijah had seen power. God had showed up in power. He'd been a part of turning the rain off, bringing fire down, route running chariot. He'd seen the power. But what happens in this moment with a whisper is how close do you have to be to hear a whisper? 
This was about the closeness of God. This was about Elijah knowing that I am here. I am here. I am your God, and I am here. Elijah, I'm here. And Elijah comes out. He puts his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? What are you doing? See, there's something beautiful about this moment. There's something beautiful about this moment. Because the questions are coming from who? God. They're coming from God. Can, can I just tell you something that is central to your faith? Your questions. I don't know where you've been raised, what kind of background, what you've been told about Christianity, what you've been told about God. Can I tell you the most powerful thing you have for growth in your life is the very questions that come when the outcome isn't what you expected, when you're in a cave and God's just calling you forward, those questions that you have, the raw honesty, the raw, like, God, I don't get this. That what he's calling you to do is when you ask questions, you get answers. But remember, answers, whether you like them or not, are going to be grounded in what? Truth. God is what? Truth. So what you've really done is you've asked a question that's pushed you into whose presence? God himself. He's he's impressed you in by the questions that have come. And as you have questions, you get answers. But guess what? God is truth and God is endless. He has no beginning and no end. Truth is so vast and big in him that you will not re, you're not going to wear it out. And so guess what happens? You ask a question, you get an answer that leads you to another question and you get another answer. And what you're actually doing is you're being pushed further and further and further and further into who God is. You're getting pushed further and further into the being that God is. And if you never had the question, you would have never asked it. And as you get pushed further and you're impressed further, guess where you're going close enough that you can hear the gentle whisper of God. What I love about this moment is it's so personal. God doesn't just show up and tell Elijah, I'm one way. God shows up and goes, Elijah, you thought I would be that. But what you need is to know that I'm right here and you're in my presence. What are you doing here, Elijah? Next verse. I didn't understand this at first. Like it just sounds like an answer that he's just going, hey, here's my answer. He's being honest. I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, tore down your altars. And what he's really saying is that makes me mad. That makes me mad. They put your prophets to death. I'm not okay with that, God. And I'm the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me too, God. Now they're trying to kill me. He's honest face to face. Notice what God does next. The Lord said to him, go back the way you came. Go back the way you came. Go back, Elijah. I'm about to do something. And now that you stood in my presence and you've heard my voice, Elijah, let's take the next part of this journey. Elijah, as you've stood with your doubts, let's begin to fan the flame of that ember. Let me tell you about a guy named Elisha, Elijah, because he's the next one that comes. You're going to actually be the one to go and get him. Elijah, I've been planning this before you were ever born. This isn't just because you were in a cave. I've been planning this, Elijah, and you get to be a part. 
Elijah, let's go, let's go. And it carries on and says, he went, he went. See, I I don't know how you came in here tonight. I don't know what you wrestle with. I don't know where you're at. I only know where I'm at. And where I'm at today is I'm going, man, open-handed. I got my, my, my doubts, my questions, my fears, all of it. I got all the stuff that life's thrown at me that I'm going, man, that's not what I expected. That's not the outcome I expected. That's not what I, and, and I got all that, and, and I'm sitting here, and, and with open hands, all I want to do is go, God, do it again. God, do it again. God, the way you showed up for John. When John the Baptist went, man, is he the one? And, and the word that came back was the, the blind see, the lamer walking, the deaf hear, the dead are coming to life. God, I want, I want to see you do it again. I want to see you do it again. Thomas standing in a room going, I'm not going to believe. I'm not going to believe unless you show up. And, God comes through, and Jesus comes through the wall. He goes, go ahead, touch him. And he's like, I'm good. But God, I want to see you do it again. Whatever this in my hand needs, if it's a gentle whisper from you, if it's power, if it's, God, I want to see you do it again. I want to see you do it again. Because I've seen you move the mountains. I've seen you conquer great things in my life. I've seen you show up over and over on the pages of this book. I've seen you be so personal that you'd find someone in a cave. God, I want to see you do it again. So if you would, if you would stand, we're going to close out. We're just going to, I don't care what season of life you're in, we all got them. Just hold your hands out and we're just going to pray. And so, God, we come before you. You are the God that shakes mountains at your command. You are the God, God, who comes in in fire and wind. You are the God who shows up through a wall. You are the God. You are the God who shows up in a whisper because that's what was needed. And, God, tonight we stand here before you, God Almighty, holding our hands significantly out, and God, in this next moment, to just let fall into those, the doubts, the insecurities, the fears, the questions. God, the worries, the concerns, the things we can't control, the sin that we think we'll never come back from. God, and we just put it, we put it out. We come out of the cave and we stand. And God, we ask you to do it again. We've seen you move mountains, God. We ask you to do it again. Just show up. God, just a a glimpse of you and we take our doubts into your presence and honestly just lay them before you because God we've seen you do it and we want to see it again and again and again 
And so, God, they're yours. Would you show up? We love you. And everybody said, Amen.